Hi, this is Pastor Ken Ortiz, and welcome to Real Answers to Real Questions. This podcast is designed to do just exactly that. In my 35 years of pastoral ministry, I've had hundreds of people, if not thousands, come to me with various questions, and frankly, it's so hard for people on a normal Sunday morning to come up and ask those questions. So we've created a format where you can submit your questions, and I'll do my best to provide you with as scripturally accurate an answer as I can to those questions. On the following shows, uh, Dan McMahon is going to be co-hosting with me. He has been my co-host for, with my radio program for many years, and he's a good friend. He's an elder in our church, and uh, we're going to just basically engage in a conversation as we go through the questions that you have submitted. All right, Ken, here we are. The first question of the day, very interesting one. It says, uh, and this is in quotes, it is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. That's obviously a verse. Uh, and then the question is, I have no idea why Why because of the angels. So why? I'm curious about this. Yeah, it's, uh, the verse is 1 Corinthians 11.10. It's, uh, and it's a good question because I'm not sure I have an absolutely certain answer. <laughs> in fact, if you peruse a lot of commentaries, you'll get different opinions. Not widely different, but basically it's somewhat of an abstract or strange a statement that yeah. we don't really fully understand because we didn't have the context of the conversation that Paul had engaged with them prior to these things. But uh, let me venture just a guess as best I can. In the overall context, what Paul is talking about is the importance of understanding that there's an authority structure that not not only here upon the earth, but it's one that exists within the heavenly, that God the Father is over all of the creation, but part of that creation really involves the angels. It's interesting that Christ, even in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about God the Father being the head, Christ submitting himself to the authority of the Father, and the Holy Spirit as being subject unto the Son. And then you have the angels who are underneath them. And, and on earth, we have a parallel where he talks about how that kings are in authority in terms of government, how that the spiritual leadership or the eldership is an authority over the church. And in the marriage relationship, the husband is supposed to be the head of his wife. Hmm. The problem most of us have with the authority structure issue is that uh, because we are sinners, often those who have authority abuse that authority. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at people who just are anti-authoritarian, it's usually because they themselves have been the victim of abused authority. Uh, it's, it's like in marriages a lot of times where you hear a woman complaining about having to submit to her husband. I've never heard a woman complain about submission to her husband when her husband loved her the way Christ loved the church. Mm, yeah. Any more than I would complain that Christ submitted himself to me that he might save me from my sins. Yeah. And that's where when, when, when love is expressed and love is the motivation behind our actions, then we don't wrestle with authority. But when we've seen people use authority in a loveless way, which happens frequently in our world, uh, then we become suspicious and distrustful of authority. And I would even go so far as to say that I think that's a rational behavior. You know, it's kind of like people saying, well, you should never question the, the police or the FBI or the government or the president. And I don't think that's wise. I don't think we, I think we need to honor and respect them because of their positions. But we also need to recognize that they are also filled with sinful individuals who can abuse the authority that they have, and they need to have an accountability structure. So that's the overall context. He's yeah. talking about there needs to be this authority structure in order for the church to function in a healthy and harmonious way. 
But when he talks about uh, women being submitted to their husband because of the angels, I have to kind of revert back to the idea of the authority structure. One commentator put it, I think, interestingly, saying that because some of the angels rebelled against God, which is an interesting thought when you think about angels having that volitional ability, that ability to say no to God, Mm -hmm. just as we do. We tend to think of angels being under a condition of absolute obedience, and yet apparently Lucifer led a third of the angels in rebellion against God. They apparently have a choice to rebel. And what this commentator suggested was that because of that a capacity for rebellion against God, that angels look at the weaker human vessels, uh, humanity, which is much weaker than the angels, and if women can choose to rebel against God and there are no consequences, then why should angels not be able to do as well? Hmm. So it's kind of a different thought, and I, I can't go very far in discussing it because I think, again, it's speculative to some degree. But that would be my best guess as to what Paul's meaning is saying, you know, that the that we actually do have an effect upon the angels, that they, mm. they see the consequences of obedience and disobedience being played out before them. And uh, their initial challenge or struggle was over which way they were going to go, submission to the will of the Father or to walk in obedience, a disobedience like Satan and the other angels in heaven. Well, but uh, these are mysterious things. They are, and you... And you, and you kind of give us a different perspective of that, because I think most of us think of the angels as they're being servants for us. You know, they're protecting us, they're watching out, they're ministering to us, uh, all those things, and, and and not ever thinking that here's this being who constantly watches and sees what I I do. And it must be so frustrating for for them to see our actions and not be, and, and not look at us and go, you know, here my my Lord and Savior died for you and your sins, and this is how you treat him and what he's done for you in these actions. And I, you know, I I know that for me, I you know, I just feel like I'm always alone. But but knowing knowing that there's this being with me all the time and, and watching what I do, that to me, I mean, do you remember the books um, by Frank Petri- Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness, right. Piercing the Dark? I mean, that back then, that was a good twenty plus years ago. That gave us a different perspective on seeing. What happens not only in that realm, but what happens, what is going on around us, and uh, it might be a good thing to go back and <laughs> revisit those books and get that yeah. proper perspective again. Well, it is an important thing because I I think that again it, it's like the story of uh, Elijah and his servants when the when the uh, Syrian army surrounds mm-hmm. the village and he you know he's in a panic and he's crying out what are we going to do and he said Lord open his eyes that he might see that there's more with us than are against us and he suddenly sees the heavenly Heavenlies filled with fiery chariots of of angels surrounding the Syrian army, and of course leading ultimately to the surrender and the captivity of the Syrian army. But the whole story is really does serve to illustrate this idea that there's so much more going on in the universe than we can understand. If if uh, physicists are right that there are like thirteen dimensions of reality that we can only sense three or four of them, mm-hmm. then there has to be a whole lot more going on in the heavenlies than we know, and that's why we get little kind of little kind of pericopes into that when we go through the scriptures, when we look at uh, the opening of, of Job's uh, chronicle, you know, basically in the first two chapters, we find this whole an- angelic conversation taking place between Satan and God and the other angels that are present. 
So I, I think that's it's logical to assume that there is a whole lot more going around on around us than we recognize. And I, I have to believe that there's complexities there that we don't understand. I'm just thankful that we aren't judged by the angels. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think that's where it really comes down to the importance of, of simply uh, being covered by the blood of Christ, that Christ's sacrifice being the atonement for my sins, because uh, we are viewed, I think, differently than those who are outside of Christ. Yeah. And even when you get into the book of Revelation, you start reading about the angels that are coming and bringing judgment, or even the story of the Passover, where the angel of death passes over Egypt, and those who are have the blood on the doorposts and the lintel posts are spared, that death passes over them, mm-hmm. hence the name of the celebration. And But he falls upon those who don't have that covering of the blood. There's so much in that whole mystery that I think that... Um, we have to understand, have to kind of admit a certain ignorance, but at the same time, we understand that there's an implication here that should have an effect upon how I live my life. Yeah. Well, I I remember the first time I read the verse about um, being careful because we may end up entertaining angels unaware and really contemplating that and thinking, there are times when I've probably come into contact with angels in a in a bodily form and had no idea of it, and what was my interaction with them? And it and it should change how we view uh, people, not only because they could be angels, but because we should be we should be acting with grace and love mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Well, I remember one particular season in my life where three times <clears throat> within a just very short period of time, a few months, uh, I came within a hair's breadth of death. Hmm. And it, it was almost, as I looked back, almost this feeling like uh, something's out there trying to take my life. And yeah. literally, my, I mean, I came within hair's breadth. I mean, uh, two particular occasions I remember where literally the death went right by me like a hmm. like just like a breeze and I remember looking back on it realizing that the enemy was trying to take me out but there was a hand that prevented that from being able to succeed yeah and I think the reality was there's an angelic presence who simply would not allow it to happen but uh you know those are interesting seasons in my life that um, you often wonder when you uh, when you see opportunities to care for people yeah. that you don't know if that's just something that God has put in your path and if it could be an angelic presence. I don't yeah. know. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to question number two for the day. Can Satan read your thoughts? Can he affect your dreams? Does God still speak to us v- by dreams? Uh, can God? Can Satan re- read my thoughts? Um, I don't necessarily think he can read my thoughts, but I think he can read my body language, Mm -hmm. and he knows my patterns, and he listens to everything I say, and I think he's he's great at at getting signals from me. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know that he actually has the ability to read my mind. Does he uh, affect my dreams? I I absolutely am convinced of that. I mean— I've had dreams that I think are just purely demonic, mm-hmm. and you you recognize them as being distinct from just the busyness of the day working its way out through the filters of your mind. So, yeah, I think that—and one of the examples we have, the best examples we have in Scripture is the book of Daniel. Daniel receives night visions, which is another way of speaking of dreams. And so I, I think that God can speak to you through dreams. I just think that we need to be cautious when we say that God spoke to us in any way. Yeah. Is it something that's really consistent with the Bible and what we know to be true of the nature of God? 
uh, there was a book that came out some years ago, 30 or 40 years ago now, that uh, described, you know, it was called Angels on Assignment, and this guy was talking about a pastor, a good man, but nonetheless, he was talking about all these encounters with angels and these messages and so forth. And the problem was that some of the things he said the angels were communicating to him didn't line up with what the Scripture said. Mm. And so was there a spiritual communication taking place? That's a scary thing. It very possibly was hearing from some uh, extraterrestrial beings, but were they the angels of God? And that's where we have to understand that how do we separate between uh, demonic messages and true heavenly messages? And the answer is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. If it contradicts Scripture, then it it isn't God. And that's why ultimately the, the rule of thumb is that we follow the Scriptures. We look at what Scripture says. And we stay away from those things that uh, don't line up with Scripture. Yeah. I think when I think about God's dreams, um, there the, are two different ones that come to mind. And that is, one is where God, where I wake up and I think, it was God speaking to me in this where he said, this is going to happen and this is the path that you're going to take. That's one where I can say, well, we'll see if that truly was from God because it will happen. I think other I think there are people that have dreams where they feel like God is saying I want you to do this and which requires an action of some kind and trying to determine if that's from God or not is can be a challenge I would say. Yeah. Well, I I have to say that when I look at scripture I don't see uh, a lot of directional dreams. Mm. I mean, Joseph had an interpretation of dreams, and it gave Pharaoh a direction in which to go. But essentially what he told Pharaoh was, this is what's going to happen. But it was left for Pharaoh to decide how he's going to respond to that. And that's where I think that you see the revelation as opposed to the applied wisdom. Hmm. So I think that uh, what I see in Scripture is that people who receive dreams, they can be revelatory. They can reveal, here's what's going on. This is what this means. But the choice of how you act upon that is depending upon whether or not you're going to apply godly wisdom or you're going to take some carnal approach to it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the examples of what I'm talking about is when Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of this image, Daniel gives the interpretation. He says, you're the head of gold, and it goes on and describes the descending kingdoms mm-hmm. that are going to follow his kingdom. Well, the very next thing we know is he builds Nebuchadnezzar builds an image <laughs> of solid gold, <laughs> and it's almost like saying, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. So his response, unlike Pharaoh, was an ungodly response of self-will, uh, even though God had spoken very clearly to him through a dream. So, I, again, I, I come back to the thing is that I think God gives us dreams for revelation. How we respond to them is not so specific in its directives as it is as much as seeking God's wisdom and guidance. I would say on a little different angle on this, I've had over the years many people come to me and say, you know, the Lord showed me that, that you should do X, Y, and Z. And I don't you know, simply say, well, I don't hear from God that way, so don't <laughs> tell me those things. I mean, I literally take it to thought. I just say, well, you know, I'll pray about that. And I do pray over that. Lord, was that you? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying to me? But ultimately, I, I've told people, if that's really what God's going to do, it's going to come to pass because God knows I want to do whatever he wants to do. And interestingly, there are some things that came to pass exactly as that, that person had told me it was going to happen. And there's other things that just didn't happen. I yeah. mean, it was, just, it was uh, I don't know, it was bad chili or whatever it was, but it was like whatever <laughs> they felt like God was saying never really came to pass. And, and I think that in the end, the responsibility of how I respond to those words uh, is upon me. And 
to be really cautious and saying, I really need to know that's what God wants. Yeah. I remember my father-in-law, he, you know, he, he, clever man one time, he told me, he said that somebody came to him and said, Brother Tom, God told me that you're going to be a preacher of the gospel. And, and he said his response was, that's funny. I wonder why he didn't tell me. <laughs> because if you knew him, you know, he's a wonderful person, but that's not his He's gifting. not a public speaker. He's not a public speaker. He's, it's not, it just would, and, and I think that, but he was wise enough to realize that you know, if if the armor doesn't fit, yeah. don't try to wear it. Yeah, yeah. You know, going back to the first first couple of parts of this question, can can Satan read your thoughts? The second part says, can he affect your dreams? And I, I I would say that there have been plenty of times where I've run into someone who said, you know, I've had this dream and it was, man, it was frightful. It was the scariest thing I had. And 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 your first response is, you know, that sounds like the enemy trying to get in, mm-hmm. into you. Um, I I would think that um, if, if we go to sleep praying and um, and just asking God to give us comfort because I would assume that that there are people out here listening that maybe are are affected fairly regularly by dreams that are really mm-hmm. full of discomfort and, and fear if we go to sleep praying and asking God for covering and protection while we sleep I, I think that could help some people yeah I, and I would say that sometimes we give place to the devil when Paul in Ephesians 4 said, don't give him a foothold in your yep. life, I, I would just simply say the kind of things that you read, that you watch, the movies you mm-hmm. watch. I mean, I know a lot of people who watch some pretty dark movies, you yeah. know I mean? And and they, they say, oh, I, it's kind of thrilling and it's entertaining, it's fantasy. Uh, but my wife is really good at telling me, saying, you're, you're just opening yeah. the door for the enemy. I yeah. don't even want to, don't even bring that, don't even turn that on. <laughs> you know? And it's true. It's just like, why would you want to watch that? It's so very dark. Yeah. And I think that you can open yourself up by entertaining things mm-hmm. that God says, those aren't, that's not healthy. That's why I even when you talk about men struggling with pornography, one of the things that I try to share with them is saying, do you understand that you're really inviting demonic influences mm-hmm. into your home or your office or into your personal life when you open up and really... Mm-hmm. allow them. Do you understand there's consequences to that? And I think that most people don't really recognize that connection. We talked in an earlier show about spiritual influences mm-hmm. in our world. So uh, I know that Satan just, he really knows what our weak points are, and he really plays to those things. I think he whispers things in our heads. Uh, when I talk to people who are just constantly uh, saying negative and critical things about themselves, tearing themselves down, mm-hmm. and I just like to stop them and sometimes saying, do you realize that that's not just how you feel about yourself, that you're probably giving the enemy permission to whisper those things? So I I speak out against, when I pray, I speak that God would bind those demonic voices, that I pray over people a lot of times that they would really, God would deliver them from any of those kind of uh, oppressions that might yeah. be in their life. Because I, I don't think Christians can be possessed by the devil. Some people argue that you can. I don't see that as being biblical. But I, I believe Christians can be oppressed mm-hmm. and sometimes harassed. It's be, harassed terribly because they're, but unfortunately, it's a lot of times because of the way that they live and the things they allow to touch their lives, they're inviting that oppressive spirit in their life. The best way to escape oppression uh, is, is uh, walking faithfully with God, yeah. walking in obedience. 
Um, I, I'm convinced of a couple things, and this may sound really simple to some people, but I'm convinced that Satan can't stand worship music that truly worships God. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm convinced he can't. I mean, really, it, it's uh, it. I just think that he anything that praises God, I think he, I don't think he can stand Christians who are praising God. I, I don't think he can handle being in the presence of that. I think that he can't stand it when we're in the Word, yeah. when we're on our face in prayer and we're calling out to him. I think that those things are—prayer is the most threatening thing that we do to the powers of darkness— uh, but it has to be prayer, not of of complaining and, and and whining, but really proclaiming and declaring the power of God against those issues that are in our lives. And I want to be understood because I'm not I'm not a word faith guy, you know. I'm not name it and claim it as some people are, but I do believe that there needs to be kind of a positive nature to our faith, mm-hmm. a, a positive declaration that God. I do. I, I know that you're the victor, and you're greater than this in my life. And I command the enemy to be gone in the name of Jesus. I really, I'm, re, I'm pretty assertive in those kind of things. And I, all I can say is from my own experience, I felt that that was tremendously freeing and binding. Um, I remember one time my wife and I were just getting in this this terrible argument, and it was just it was like craziness. And then suddenly I just got this thought in my head. I think it was from God saying, "Just stop." pray and rebuke Satan and bind mm. the devil. And it was a craziest thing because as soon as I did that, boom, it was done. Yeah. And we're both kind of looking at each other and saying, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. And we just realized that something we had done or said or where we, I don't know what it was, but we had given place to the enemy. Yeah. And uh, wow, it just, it was such a wake up call to realize that so many of those things come by spiritual attacks, the demonic demons just come in and start whispering things in your head, and people um, give place to that when they listen to it, instead of saying, "What does the Word of God say?" Yeah, good stuff. Well, this brings us to the end of our current podcast, and I hope that our responses to the questions that you submitted were helpful. If you found them to be worthwhile and this a good investment of your time, we encourage you to write a review and uh, send us your comments. This is a forum in which we're looking to have a dialogue with those who listen. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we'd encourage you to submit those. Uh, you can do that easily by just going to our website at www.calvaryspokane.com. And we'll take them as they come in. Just about any question is okay, but we just like to say that we try to answer biblical questions. Uh, I can't give you financial advice or medical advice, but I can tell you what the Bible has to say. Uh, We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can join with us regularly as we continue to answer your questions with what we believe are real biblical answers.